The name of the podcast is What's in the Box. My name is Graham Bryant, and I am holding out hope that this year Mad Max Fury Road takes home Best Picture. And who is here with me today? I'm Amber Woodward, and goddamn, the Academy is committing highway robbery this year. And this show has no affiliation with Letterboxd, but both of us are avid users of it, and we're just kind of using this project to turn our conversations into homework. Uh, The working title of this first possible episode is called uh, Movies with Less Oscar Nominations Than Free Guy. That is from a a letterboxed list that we can't find the original creator of the title, but, uh, you know, I'm sticking with it. Yeah, if you search it, you can give all of them some props. You can find several of them, and I'll probably be using them during... Uh, this just to remember titles because there are so many uh, that got snubbed this year. Oh, too many. Yeah. And before we get into it, I was wondering uh, if we could both talk about what our uh, personal histories with the Oscars has been growing up. Yeah, you want to go first? Uh, yeah, sure. I started watching the Oscars, I think around 2010, when it was just on in my house and I wasn't completely aware of it as a televised ceremony it was the one where uh Anne Hathaway and James Franco famously hosted together and I remember I had not seen any of the movies but I wanted to cheer for some of the movie because like I think the only one I saw that year was like a Toy Story 3 and yeah since then I I think I really started to get into it around 2012 um and i thought it was the biggest event and for a few years after that it was such a big deal to see everything about some way into my undergrad a few years ago i think i finally skipped it in 2019 for the 2018 films because bohemian rhapsody was nominated for best picture it won best editing and the only film I cared about that year was Into the Spider-Verse. Also, wasn't that the year that they cut, like, cinematography uh, and editing, like, as categories? It was I, a mess. I, I, I could be getting that completely wrong. But, yeah, that was the year where I'm like, I only care about one award. I am going to do something else that night, and, and I will be fine. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, now, now these days it's mostly a... It's a discussion starter, and Mm -hmm. I think I value the day of the nominations coming out more than I do the actual ceremony itself. Oh yeah, the awards themselves, less interesting than who gets nominated. I was excited when they got rid of the hosts, but they're wanting to bring that back. They still find ways to have little bits, and even when a host isn't there to like do weird stuff. But this, this isn't a history uh, podcast about uh, all of the Academy Awards. Uh, what is your... Per- We've never actually talked about this. What's your yeah. personal history um, with uh, the Oscar ceremony? You know, I only started getting into this stuff recently. Oh. Um, I, I don't think I was super aware of the Oscars growing up. I think the first time I remember watching like an Oscar nom specifically was when I saw Dallas Buyers Club. Um, oh my God, I my school that one. put it on. Uh, so like I remember watching it in the auditorium. You know, in retrospect, a little bit cringe. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
But, you know, that was, I think, when I first started kind of being aware of, like, who was nominated. And then, you know, the past couple of years, I've gotten pretty into, uh, you know, film festivals and stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah, you go way more than I, than I ever Yeah, I, I, we, like, we went to our first bypassed movie. the Oscars and went straight for, like, exactly. Venice. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, no. You, you actually took me to my first film festival, so that was exciting. I have used this list usually when I, when I was living back home one thing that I would do is I would find different friends to go try to see all the things but my grandmother loves to go try to see new things and so sometimes uh, she and I will go out and see stuff together I got this woman to take me to see Django Unchained oh my god the year that grandmother? it came out because I couldn't find a single person in Houston Incredible. Texas who wanted to go see that movie and I just remember her texting me. She's like, I need, I have poured a large glass of wine <laughs> to come down from all of that. Wow. Um, but I still love that film. So I'm very grateful that she took me to go see that one. I think my big thing with the Oscars was, is like watching the trailers for, you know, like Oscar season stuff mm -hmm. and trying to figure out which ones are like super baity and which ones are going to be good. It, it took me longer than it should have to be disillusioned that m most of the movies that get nominated for this uh, can be forgettable. That they are very that they are designed. Oh, to... I have some strong feelings well, about forgettable best picture winners. And I think we're going to have a lot of material for that. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to uh, get into our overall impressions of this year's nominations. What? <laughs> were your uh, like I said up top I was uh -huh. not impressed yeah the best picture nominations are a joke <sighs> let me just say <laughs> yeah mm. there are so many of them and so many of them are mediocre yeah how many of them have you seen okay. so far? Okay, so in my defense, I haven't seen... Okay. <laughs> well, no, this is probably not in my defense. This is probably, like, to my detriment. Mm. But I think my opinion is still valid. Um, I've only seen two and a half. <laughs> oh, that's right. You couldn't finish one. I mean, I don't think that's I don't think that's to your detriment. They have to be interesting. They have to be something that you would want to. There's go some out of see. them I wanted to see and mm. just like didn't get the opportunity to. Mm -hmm. Like I wanted to see Drive My Car during the film fest, right? And just couldn't make it. Couldn't right. work at the time because it's a it's a long film. Yeah. Did you end up seeing it? You, I didn't. You haven't seen it. Yet. No. No, I haven't seen it either. But I think it's going to get a wider release from this. So I hope so. That's exciting. I saw a lot of movies from this past year, and I don't remember holding any of them super high. Mm -hmm. uh, like, maybe, like, 12 of them that I'm like, okay, the, these are very memorable, and we should talk about these. But yeah, there was a lot of... I, w I was also surprised that a lot of the films from this year, some of them I hadn't heard of, but so many of them... That I remember everybody was talking about just did not get on right, the list. Right, yeah. At all. I was thinking like Mo Spencer. Yeah, uh, Green Knight. Yeah. Uh, a lot of other films. Wes Anderson released something oh, and yeah, it didn't the get anything. Dispatch. Yeah, um, and people were, I mean, the critics at least were raving about that. Yeah. The Well, we, we have a lot of films that we've seen that we 
thought should have been nominated oh, and wouldn't, probably wouldn't uh, in retrospect. We saw Petite Maman mm. that didn't get nominated. It might have been too short because yeah. it was only 70 mm-hmm. minutes. Titan? Yes, Titan was something that we both loved and absolutely should have gotten some recognition which you know it won the palm d'or which is i think more important yeah but uh, at cons uh, film mm-hmm. festival no i i have so many thoughts about that film and it drives me insane that it's able to do that that's a whole nother episode <laughs> yeah no that's a, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother thing remember annette oh for Rem- a second that was like everybody's bet everybody well yeah because that was right when like people were actually starting to go back to the theaters. And then everyone forgot about it. Within the Heights and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw it on Amazon Prime. I thought it was, like, promising. But it, it didn't, like, it didn't flesh out and it didn't deliver. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Nicolas Cage came out with Pig. Right. That happened. Yeah. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix had oh, yeah. a come whole on, thing. Come on, come on. Come on, come mm-hmm. on. Uh, we had Red Rocket. Which, uh, a big snub. Great really? film. Mm-hmm. I loved it. It's hilarious. I'm still trying to find, because I grew up right outside of where they shot that. Right. We were talking about how uh, you could recognize some of the landmarks. Yes. that Or just, like, landmarks. They're fields. <laughs> the landmarks. You know, the, like, I'm like, yeah, that, that looks like they shot it in uh, Texas City. Lamb was a movie that came out that nobody... Which obviously wouldn't have gotten nominated. No, but... It was uh, uh, kind of nuts. What else didn't get nominated? Oh, there was Shiva Baby. Shiva Baby! Oh my gosh. Yeah, no, I I was thinking about, like, I think one film in my top ten got nominated. Mm -hmm. Uh, Shiva Baby didn't get nominated. In the Heights got nothing. Mm Mm-hmm. In a year where four musicals came out, only like it's impressive. Only like West Side Story got right. nominated for Best Picture, mm-hmm. but Tick Tick Boom didn't get nominated for Best mm-hmm. Picture. The movie The Harder They Fall came mm-hmm. out that had mm-hmm. such a star-studded cast, right. and I thought great production design. The Humans, which we both saw, yes, got I thought that was a fantastic adaptation. Nothing, and it was. Such a great cast and so inspired. I, yeah, that was a joke. The Power of the Dog I had in my ranking as like 16. So pretty down the line. Oh my gosh, and I can't believe we have forgotten to mention my favorite movie of the entire year, The Worst Person in the World. Yes. Which has gotten so much praise everywhere else. Yeah. And the Academy completely ignored it. The the quintessential it, it got film nominated for Best of, International Feature. Did it? Yes. Oh. But to say that like Don't Look Up was more worthy of Best Picture than the worst person in the world. This this quintessential piece of millennial angst. Mm-hmm. Like that movie encapsulated what it means to be like a 30-year-old better than any film I've ever seen. We saw that film together and I don't think I had realized at the time how much you really liked it. Oh, deeply, deeply. 
So yeah, it got nominated for Best International Feature, but uh, along with uh, Drive My Car mm-hmm. from Japan, which did get nominated for Best Picture right. this time. I think the Academy is trying to... I think Parasite broke that boundary, yeah. which is really great. That they're, that they're really trying to be like, okay, so this... These are also worth being best. Exactly. That uh, Bong Joon-ho's quote of getting over the one-inch barrier of the mm. subtitles is actually coming to fruition. Flea is also nominated for Best mm-hmm. International Feature. But before, uh, but before we go into all the categories and actually go through all of it, I was wanting to talk about some of the weird stuff surrounding this year's announcement of the Academy Awards that they have eliminated sound editing and sound mixing as two categories, and now we are just in the world of best sound. I feel really bad for the sound mixers and editors who now don't get their own awards. I feel like they that they've been pushing this forever because every year somebody asks what is the difference between sound editing and sound mixing. The people who do it, I think, know. Oh, sure. But now <laughs> we're just looping all of these people together because, like, for, ev- for every one of these nominations now, there's, like, four or five names, like, put next to each of them, which... I think the joke is every year is that, oh, well, best sound goes to the movie with the most sound. So usually, like, war movies usually take these. This year we have Belfast, Dune, No Time to Die, The Power of the Dog, and West Side Story. We also, this year, uh, we they say that they're going to have three hosts, mm-hmm. but we don't know who they are yet. If you had to guess... Who do you think they would pick oh, as the three this, Oscar hosts? Is this like a Dreamcast kind of thing? I just like <laughs> well, who? Well, I'm just trying to figure it out. Like, who who do you think would be in the running for this? My theory I is don't know. my my theory is I'm like okay, we need a group. Timothy of, Chalamet. Okay, so Tim so Tim Chan and Tim Chan, <laughs> uh, Tim Chan and who else? Uh, let's get Zendaya in the mix. Zendaya, okay. So we're this is the youngest Oscar hosts we've ever had. And the third person from Dune. Uh, <laughs> um, the other guy, Oscar Isaac. Oscar Isaac, great. So we, so we have all of them present. I My theory is, when I heard they, they want three people, mm-hmm. it's not going to happen. If it happens, that would be insane. But I thought they were going to bring in the three Spider-Men. Oh. Uh, spoilers for Spider-Man No Way Home, I guess. But yes, I thought if they brought in Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, and Tom Holland. What a fun surprise. That would be something else. That'd be exciting. I would be most interested. I think Andrew Garfield could host this thing very Easy. naturally. Yeah. Easily. Tom Holland would be an interesting choice, but... It's a little awkward, but it'd be fun. Right, but Tobey Maguire, what are they going to get that guy to do? Because yeah. he's been like playing <laughs> poker, he Where's hasn't he been? really been in. But it has been so heartening seeing uh, all of them interacting with people again, mm-hmm. and just talking to each other, and they all just seem to be best buds. We already know they've got great chemistry. Could be something. I'm personally of the opinion they don't need a host, and... We don't need bits. We can mm-hmm. have like montages and stuff like that. But like some of the stuff they were coming up with last year oh, to kill can time. Can I give my off the wall yeah. hosts? Oh yes, here's my here's yes. my completely okay. unrealistic random 
triplet of hosts. Go for it. All right. So I'm thinking Tilda Swinton. What did she do? Uh, she was in Memoria, which was a, a film... I'm not going to say the name of the director because he's Thai and I would butcher it. Okay. Um, but it was in a f- bunch of film festivals. And she was in The French Dispatch. Oh, right. I haven't um, seen that. I'm going to say Tilda Swinton, AOC, because she stirred up all that controversy uh, with the dress at the gala. Oh, the dress. Um, so she's going to make her uh, reappearance on the scene. And here's um, as AOC. the cool hip uh, representative, the most random person <laughs> to host the Oscars. Um, and then, gosh, I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with Bill Murray. Because Just bring it back it around be, to the it, French Dispatch. Because Let's it go. would be like Bill Murray it to would just be. show up and host as part of why a not theory, as part of a trio. It's it's gonna be really interesting. You know who could do the whole thing and what I thought they were going to be doing, but Regina King opened last year's mm-hmm. ceremony. She's amazing. She and is. I wish she had stuck around for the whole thing, but they kept bringing in other people and Questlove was DJing the whole thing and it, it, it was the whole thing. So moving into the category rundown, I know people like Kevin Smith have been arguing that nobody tunes into the Oscars because the Oscars are not populist. And do we recall the infamous category of popular feature (laughs) that they wanted to put in at one time, which just felt like it that almost feels like the biggest insult to any film that would have gotten that. Um, And I think they cut it at the last second that they were going to do that. It It was a mess. But usually, usually the blockbuster successes go into the best visual effects Mm -hmm. uh, category. We have uh, Dune, which definitely has a lot of those. Yeah, Free Guy uh, as part of the uh, title of our our episode. Free Guy got a nomination. We have No Time to Die, the 007 film. Uh, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. All right. And Spider-Man No Way Home, which is was going to happen. I I loved uh, James Gunn's The Suicide Squad, which I I don't think you've seen. I have not. But there are some absolutely well storyboarded like visual sequences that maybe they just hate James Gunn. I don't know what was going on, but like that was a huge snub in my opinion that. Mm. It didn't even make visual effects when the original Suicide Squad won an Oscar for best makeup and hairstyling. And you think of the difference between the two in yes. level of quality. Yes. That's and the crazy. fact that this one didn't even get a nomination for makeup and hairstyling either is absolutely insane. Mm. Yeah. So we have best production design, which is Dune, Nightmare Alley, The Power of the Dog, A Tragedy of Macbeth, and West Side Story. Any initial leanings? Power of the Dog looked great, and so does uh, so does Macbeth. Yeah. I, mean, I know we don't say that word in this house. But... Oh yeah, I don't. <laughs> but um, I don't personally because I'm a theater guy. But yeah. Uh, I saw Nightmare Alley, and it feels very stylized, very mm-hmm. beautiful, very pretty. I felt like it was lacking a little bit underneath. Yeah. 
like I think the last Del Toro movie I saw was Shape of Water, mm-hmm. and that was kind of what it felt like going into it. Mm. Um, but it had some really cool set pieces and doesn't stay in one place for too long, and sure. that was really well done. But um, probably Dune's gonna get it uh, because of the massive worlds the that they scale had to create. Of it. Sure, yeah. yeah. Best original song, which I. Th- I thought it would be so funny if Dear Evan Hansen squeaked into here because <laughs> and every every film does this because this is the easiest category that you can go into. Oscar winner yes, Dear Evan Hansen. Exactly. Oh. Like uh like the Muppets what one. What kind of worst timeline? <laughs> yeah, but uh Dear Evan Hansen, I thought it would have been so funny because it was on the short list for their original song. You always have to come up with one new one so that you can squeak in here. But Instead, we have uh, Be Alive from King Richard, which I've not seen yet. Uh, Dos Erguitas uh, by Lin-Manuel Miranda for Encanto, which mm-hmm. is going to come up again later. Uh, Down to Joy by Van Morrison from Belfast. From our favorite film of the year. I, it was so weird that Van Morrison oh, did all God, the music for that movie. It was... Not the choice, I don't think. Oh, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. Uh, no Time <laughs> to Die uh, from Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell. Uh, and Somehow You Do fr- uh, by Diane Warren from Four Good Days. Well, you can talk about uh, Best Documentary Feature because we have Ascension. Which, which I thought was glorious. Yeah. So, Incredibly so what well it, made. What is that one about? Uh, it's about capitalism in China. It's kind of like the economy, job market, Mm. consumerism. I mean, what isn't it about, honestly? It's just this beautiful stream of consciousness, incredibly well filmed. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's no narration. It is just like all juxtaposition of noise and all of these features of the economy. And if you don't walk out of it thinking that you're never going to buy anything again, like, you, you're in the wrong movie. Did you buy something? I did. You did, I did. You did. I have. <laughs> I failed. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. And speaking of Questlove, we have uh, Summer of Soul, which I have been meaning to see. It's on Disney Plus now. Oh, okay. So we can watch. I can watch it there. And there is, quite notably, uh, Flea. which right, is which is up in many categories. Right. I saw the film the other night. I quite enjoyed it and was amazed that it didn't also somehow find its way into Best Picture because it's one of the more enjoyable films I've seen that were nominated this year. Um, But yes, now we actually are going into Best Animated Feature, which is the Disney pile uh, that they, because there are now only three studios. You put um, it that way, it sounds like a car crash. It, Disney pileup. It is a Disney pileup, though. Um, and we're starting with Riot and the Last Dragon, which, mm-hmm. um, I, have you, have you seen any of these films? I haven't, no. I don't usually watch a lot of animated features. I, okay, well, for this year, that's kind of warranted, I, in my opinion, uh, with Ryan the Last Dragon, that was a Disney film that uh, was written by a playwright that I really love named Queen Nguyen. And it also featured Kelly Marie Tran, who was right. eviscerated oh. from her Star Wars appearance. which she I deserved better. It, well, and she did, because like imagine showing up in a Star Wars film and then just being 
bullied relentlessly for it to the point where you had to get off it's of social the media. Racism. It's it's so much toxicity and nerd culture. But I was so excited to hear that she was getting the lead role in a Disney film. That's huge. And then it kind of fell apart in mm. its moral and its world building and the, the, there was, was queer baiting oh, on a well, certain level it's a disney movie which actually that's something that i wanted to bring up almost all of these films luca almost all these films either explicitly queer bait or they actually do feature queer themes pretty well that's very interesting to a different degree and yeah, yeah i was excited to talk about this with you because, yeah, in Ryan the Last Dragon, there is queer baiting because two women fight with swords and are obsessed <laughs> with each other. Um, and it's it's actually... I, I'm going to the extent of they are, but... Ah, uh, swords. The lesbian. I mean, it's... it's Weapon of choice. You're not going to watch it, but if you did, <laughs> like, it's so there. But then we go into, you know, Luca, mm-hmm. which is a movie that I had to be told had queer themes in it well if you you know me and Mm -hmm. my love of youtube um video essays the uh video essayist james summerton on youtube Mm -hmm. who produces a lot of great content about queer media he has a several part um i would call it a documentary about uh queer baiting in disney yes and he makes some great points about luca I watched through the whole thing, and I remember people making jokes that Luca is basically Disney's Call Me By Your Name. Right. Throughout Takes the place in-, in the same area. Right, and throughout the entire thing, and I didn't really put it together that there was a queer reading mm-hmm. of that film. So it's not explicitly about that, so then can it count as that? And, you know, for some people, they, they did claim it to be that. If, if it isn't explicitly that, it's like, what do we say about it? In Encanto, which mm-hmm. I have a feeling is going to win, there is a sequence at the very beginning mm-hmm. that everyone had the same reaction of that was queer baiting. They have in in the opening song, they have two men dancing side by side, and the line is two men fell in love with the family Madrigal. But you heard two men fell in love and they're dancing next to each other, and you realize it's the two men who married into the family. Disney! And they, they, it was, it was like, actually, it is a fantastic movie, but you can't tell me that was not Oh, uh, absolutely. No, I've heard a lot of great things. I have not seen Encanto, obviously, because I have not seen any of the animated features. And it's got great themes, is mm-hmm. what I've heard from a lot of people. Uh, read some reviews on that one. But that doesn't excuse the fact that Disney is criminally and consistently <laughs> committing queer baiting across the board in oh, a lot of their movies. Oh, they know. Well, and they know. They and know. they do. And, they, and the movies have to be sold. Uh, the movies have to run in theaters in China. And right. They and have it's just rules. enough that they can claim mm-hmm. some representation to sell it here. To, to be fair. Encanto does have a lot of really cool 
uh, archetypes and representation that they don't usually feature. Like, I don't know if you've heard about the um, character, there's a character named Louisa in mm-hmm. the film who they, it's basically X-Men, they all have like different powers as a family, but she is very muscular and apparently they had to fight for that design Mm -hmm. to draw a woman who has like, who is just jacked. Um, Because marketing wise, Disney thought that usually toys like Elsa would sell well. And so they produce all of this merchandise with that sort of, uh, body type of a character. Which in itself is a little bit toxic. Right. We're gonna start talking that. But then a lot of children resonated with this character more, with Louisa, mm-hmm. and apparently there was a problem that there was no, like, Party City stuff. Louisa with, merch. With Louisa merch, <laughs> right, exactly, on it. And that's such a huge issue now. There's not enough toys or merchandising mm, out there to represent so what the kids want. that. They're, they're proving Disney wrong mm-hmm. uh, with what they fought to do. Way but, to go, children. Exactly. Lin-Manuel had a very good year in the box he office. He did indeed. Because wrote all the music for Encanto, but wasn't put in it. They had the restraint to do that. Um, directed Tick, Tick, Boom. Mm-hmm. And got to have a role in In the Heights and also Which sing is, on the of musical. course, an adaptation of his Tony Award-winning musical. musical. Exactly. And so he's he's had a lot of representation uh, in, in the box office throughout the year. Following the theme of queer baiting, we also have The Mitchells versus The Machines, which does have an explicitly queer character, but doesn't have any of that romance on screen. Mm-hmm. But they actually show that, like, she is interested. Uh, the main character in The Mitchells vs. the Machines, Katie, she is moving off to college in 2020, which they show, like, people moving into their dorms in the year 2020, and it's actually, like, time-stamped on the footage, and it's like, that's not what that looks like. Whoops! Yeah, the uh, animation takes a while. But she, um is connecting with these people online and people that she's moving into the dorm with. And at the end of the movie, we see that she has started a relationship uh, with this woman uh, in her dorm. And she has like a bisexual flag sticker on her jacket at the end of the movie. They don't explicitly say, and like literally her mom's asking, okay, so when do we get to meet her? Like we want her to come see the family. So I would call that explicit representation. Okay, yeah. Absolutely. There you go. And it, it isn't the center of the story or anything like be. that. But yeah, yeah, it actually goes out of its way to do queer that. Queer people have lives that are not just centered around their queerness. It's, and I think that's something we can acknowledge in film. There, there is so much about that film there's some humor in it that's a little cringy for me because it's very <laughs> dated around meme humor mm. that doesn't feel right. But the family dynamic in it is so uh, relatable and so genuine. And also the main character wants to be a filmmaker. That's what she's going off to college in California to do. And so there are so many references to films throughout the animated movie. And it's highly stylized and it's so silly. Mm -hmm. And I watched it the other day when the nominations came out. And I'd like it to win, but then I saw Flea. I think Flea and Mitchell versus The Machines are the two most deserving. Yes, and Flea... Definitely has explicit queer themes oh, in absolutely. it, and does not, and does not even compare. It's only Disney that has this track record of doing this. Whereas mm-hmm. you have Sony Pictures and 
this independently made well, film. Flea is a memoir piece, isn't it? Um, mm-hmm. So that's this man's actual life. Yes. It, it's very clear that they actually filmed this thing and then had animators just recreate it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can hear like, you can hear it through the recording that obviously this happened in a in somebody's bedroom. And so it feels like you're really in that room. But then what I loved about watching the film is that the animation feels more real than I think actual footage would. Because mm. it's defamiliarizing and it's making certain emotions have more impact in the story. And yeah. I think animation isn't a genre it is Mm -hmm. very much a medium that can tell all of these stories and have the potential to deliver that kind of sometimes stories or animation can deliver the truth better than what just saying the truth straightforward Mm -hmm. would be right and it also made it stand out as a documentary feature um i was nervous going into it and I was surprised at how gripped I felt by most of it is that as animation you are it it is limitless what you're able to do um other than money you can make any artistic choice you want and the film stays pretty grounded in either creating one-to-one recreations of the stories that are happening or just the interview footage itself Mm -hmm. and part of me wanted you know, part of me, there's some animation nerd that... Maybe something more expressive? Wanted, yes, mm. a sequence where it really explored something visually or did something like that. And there's little moments over interview footage, but for the most part, sure. I think the point, and for the point of the film, they wanted to stay grounded to uh, this refugee's story and his personal life, that how he has to compartmentalize his identity after going through all of that. And it's fascinating the way that they present all of that. Going into best makeup and hairstyling, this is a weird category because I think this is the only one where House of Gucci got a nomination and people were thinking that was going to... At least Lady Gaga. Right. They were saying she was going to get a nomination. I know Jared Leto got a Razzie. (laughs) <laughs> um, and that's the only thing that I know uh, so far. And I think Ben Platt also got a Razzie. <laughs> but uh, we have Coming to America, which I did not see. And it was a movie I was very excited for in concept and then just didn't watch. I did see the costumes for that. Yeah. Um, those were at the um, art museum that I visited in uh Nope, I don't have the word. Nah, it's all good. Um, That I saw at an art museum in Virginia. Because it was all around a specific designer, right? Right, who did the costumes for Black Panther, Mm -hmm. who did um, Amistad, who did um, The Butler. Um, Did they do Coming to America or the first one? Yes, Coming to America. Ah, gotcha. Yeah, and those costumes were beautiful close up. I haven't seen the film, but... (laughs) I, I have not heard great things. I think my parents started it, and I don't think they finished it. Oh. But they, they told me they watched it at home. Cruella uh, also got nominated. Another hilarious nomination. Yeah. Um, the Eyes of Tammy Faye got mm. nominated, which, if you know anything about Tammy Faye, the makeup is Makes very important. Uh, they're making Andrew Garfield uh, have a whole different like shape and look. And then, of course, House of Gucci 
got the nomination for that. Uh, we Oh, boy. And here we go. We're getting into best film editing. Ooh. So we'll we'll start from the bottom up. We have Tick, Tick, Boom. Have you seen this one yet? I have not. I, that is... One of those that's on my watch list. That one is in my top ten, and I have watched it multiple times, and I've enjoyed it very much. I think uh, best film editing is warranted. We have The Power of the Dog. I think that's also fair. King Richard, have not seen. Uh, And then we get to Don't Look Up. Which I think is fair. I thought the editing was snazzy, I would say. I would use the word snazzy. Snazzy. I I thought that some of the things that they did, Uh I'm thinking specifically of the sequence when they're getting on the plane, when they've just been told they're going to Washington, Mm -hmm. um, and they're kind of hopping back and forth in time, showing them getting on the plane, Uh and then showing them, like, still on the phone, Um, I think with like the director of NASA or whatever it is, is a really clever sequence. I'm not saying the film is good. (laughs) I'm saying the editing was well thought out for the most part. I can't get over, I guess this isn't a film, maybe this isn't an editing thing. There's a shot where we see the actual crew of the film included on set with the actors breaking the reality of whatever was happening and adam mckay claimed that he kept that shot in to commemorate how fun (laughs) how fun shooting the movie was and you know what if it had that kind of like mockumentary setup maybe it would have had a little more going for different points in the movie if, if it had been set up purposefully, yes. I would buy it. Right. But it's it's just this one very distracting thing. I believe Adam McKay when he says that he included that shot on purpose. I, I just do don't not. understand it. You don't you don't think I don't buy it. You think it, it was a I mistake? He... I I just yeah, I don't know. But we'll talk more about we'll that. We'll never know. So now going into best original screenplay. We do have the worst person in the world, which which, with all of the different sequences and mediums that they have in that film, I think that's very fair. It's a well-written movie, mm-hmm. I think, all around. Really great dialogue, <laughs> great storylines. It's just a very smart film. Yeah. It was... It, I, I enjoyed it very much. I think I felt very sad at the end of it, and a little numb from all of it, but reading your review that you posted, I was like, okay, she is on a completely different wavelength. We have Licorice Pizza, Mm -hmm. which was written by Paul Thomas Anderson. Another favorite this year. Yeah. Not Not, necessarily from us, but from, like, critics. Well, yeah, but it only got two nominations, uh, which is interesting that it wasn't as widespread as Letterboxd wanted to believe. Sure, yeah. That was a big one on Letterboxd. Mm-hmm. People were really hyping it. They were they were going for it. The screenplay for Don't Look Up uh, got nominated, <laughs> which a lot of it is improv, I feel like, so... It'd be interesting to compare the screenplay to I wanna the final project. I want to read it, because I, there's like some clip of showing Meryl Streep having like eight different that. I think you sent that to me. Yeah, like mm-hmm. eight, like eight different calls in the Oval Office that I didn't 
And then, like, all the articles, like, oh, Leo's last line was improvised and saved the movie. Right, kind of thing. and gave it the emotional crux, which I didn't feel like was valid. I, I didn't feel that. And then, lastly, we have Belfast, which was... Uh, we saw that one together. We did see that one together. I foolishly <laughs> saw the trailer and did not know anything about um, our friend Kenneth. Yes, um, I, I I was like, so have you seen a Kenneth Branagh film before? Oh boy. And I felt very bad <laughs> when we walked out of the theater. <laughs> and it was amazing because he didn't he he wasn't in it himself. But it felt like the most Kenneth Branagh film I've ever seen. Still managed to stain it with his presence. Oh my god. So then moving into adapted screenplay, uh, we have Coda, Mm -hmm. which I have yet to see. Uh, Drive My Car. Uh, Dune. The Lost Daughter. Oh, I love Jesse Buckley. And then we also have The Power of the Dog, written by Jane Campion. I didn't know that was an adaptation. Yes, it is a novel, oh. uh, and it had some substantial changes, as okay. I understand it. Okay. Uh, we also have Best Original Score, Dune, Hans Zimmer, which is, if you haven't seen Classic. it yet, if you haven't seen it yet, it's a lot of the blah, like noises just over and over again. That's what he does. We have Encanto, which is scored by Jermaine Franco. Very good. Very well done. Nice. Uh, Parallel Mothers, I know absolutely nothing about. And then The Power of the Dog by Johnny Greenwood. Okay. Yeah. Maybe. It was a very, I, I would say for Power of the Dog, um, it was a very restrained mm-hmm. scoring. Yes. Which made it very a interesting. Lot of because I think yeah. uh, usually for Westerns, you have this kind of like big sound, but it really brought home the intimacy of uh, the screenplay. Right, and we didn't talk about The Power of the Dog, really. It feels, to me, like a Tennessee Williams play that I actually mm-hmm. like, because I don't like Tennessee Williams. Uh, but it didn't. It, it has that aesthetic of like being on a ranch and sure, like being in the untamed place. wild, mm-hmm. but it's not. Right. They're very much in the middle of society and come from wealth and all this stuff, mm-hmm. and that was what I found fascinating is when we see people come in and we learn details about some of the characters that just feels absolutely out of place with what was established. Mm -hmm. But we can talk more about that in a minute. Uh, Best costume design goes to Cruella. We also have costumes for Dune. Very fair. Those costumes looked great. Mm -hmm. As somebody who read the book in like middle school, it is very well done how they executed that. Nightmare Alley, um... Would you say that's fair? There are some... You know what? There are some really great outfits because it starts at a carnival and so we Mm. have to have some of that uh, look brought in and then Bradley Cooper, it becomes this mentalist character and he has this whole persona that he plays with and that's actually kind of fun. Then we have West Side Story... Yeah. Those looked gorgeous. Yeah, the the America song alone. Mm-hmm. Uh the just they have all of these clothes that they go through and do the dancing in. The um high school dance looks very good. It, it that was great. The entire aesthetic of that movie yes. is spot on. Right. And so now here we go. We're going into actors. So, best supporting actor, we have um 
Ciaran Hens, who was the grandfather in Belfast. Okay. Uh, Troy Kutzer, who is the first uh, deaf actor to actually ever be nominated for a uh, Oscar. Then we also have both Jesse Plemons and Cody Smith McPhee for The Power of the Dog for Best Supporting Actor. Okay. Um, yeah. I thought Jesse Plemons did a great job. I really liked Cody Smith McPhee's mm-hmm. performance in that film because it's such a it, it's such a bizarrely written character that I think he makes work like, yeah. the further you get into it. And then we have J.K. Simmons in Being the Ricardos, which is not a movie I think I'm going to no, see. No, I'm going to skip that It looks one. like a biopic. What 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 is this one? It's about uh, Lucille Ball and Ricky Ricardo. Mm-hmm. Um, biopic? Uh, mm-hmm. Biopic? I don't know what you I call them say. biopics, and I know um, that's wrong. Yes. So, <laughs> kind of a biopic biopic of mm-hmm. uh, Lucille Ball and Ricky Ricardo. Um, I personally am made very uncomfortable by Nicole Kidman's makeup. Mm -hmm. I do not like the prosthetics, so I do not want to watch it. Okay. We have Best Supporting Actress. We have Jessie Buckley for The Lost Daughter. I love Jessie Buckley. What is she? She's so beautiful. What is is she in? Because Um, I don't think I've seen any of her films, and now I'm hearing her name all the time. big, big love is this movie that went under the radar in, I think, 2017 uh-huh. called Beast, uh, where she is um, dating maybe a serial killer, oh. and it's super cool, great film, but she was also in a movie, Wild Rose, something with Rose, mm-hmm. I might be getting it wrong, okay. um, where she's a Scottish country singer who dreams of going to Nashville, and... <laughs> um, She's just a great actress. Okay. She's wonderful. A week ago, I did not know who this was. And now I'm seeing that she's appeared in a bunch of movies that I'm I just so didn't happy go for see. Her. Yeah. Uh, Ariana DeBose for West Side Story. Warranted. Absolutely. Uh, Judy Dench in Belfast. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, she's... Okay, she was She was. She in was the there. She was she there. She sure was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Kirsten Dunst for The Power of the Dog. I think she deserves that. Uh, and then we have Anjante Ellis for King Richard. Best actor, we have Javier Bardem for being the Ricardos. Again, probably not seeing sure. that. Uh, <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch for The Power of the Dog. I thought he did very well. Mm-hmm. And w- delivered a very layered performance as this character and probably had a lot of fun with it. One thing that I... I think, against type for him. No, see, that's the thing. In all the headlines, they were saying, oh, they really cast Benedict Cumberbatch against his type. He is always a sardonic asshole in uh, every role I that he's in. I guess if you put it like that, yes. sure. <laughs> How is he not this type? He is always the smartest guy in the room sure. who is bitter at everybody else and has never been anything but that. I think we just know Benedict Cumberbatch is a very likable guy. Now? You're probably right. But You're probably he right. He was Sherlock. He was the freaking Grinch. He was a dragon. And even in Imitation Game, he was like, you know, he was very antisocial and you make hard to point. get along with. I, I just, I was amazed that people were saying that he was cast against his type because type has absolutely nothing to do with your personality. This is true. Then Andrew Garfield for Tick, Tick, Boom. Mm-hmm. 
well deserved. Mm. He, I, he pisses me off to no end that he is able to deliver that kind of performance and sing like that with a year's worth of Barely training. Barely any like, practice. That is, that is infuriating to me. And then Will Smith for King Richard, mm-hmm. uh, and Denzel for the tragedy of Macbeth, mm-hmm. but not Francis McDormand, which I I thought that was what it was going for, but sure. yeah. Uh, instead, we have Jessica Chastain uh, for being Tammy Faye, Olivia Coleman for The Lost Daughter, uh, Penelope Cruz for Parallel Mothers, which I'm now realizing are two separate movies. <laughs> Uh, Nicole Kidman for being the Ricardos, and then we have Kristen Stewart for Spencer. What happened in this category this year? What happened? So here's my here's my upset with this, and I forgot to mention this earlier. Rachel Ziegler, who plays Maria in the West Side Story, what a she, snub! She there were so many snubs from this movie. Not Ansel Elgort. Nobody really cared about that, but like. Mike Faced, who plays Riff Mm -hmm. in the movie, did a great job. I was like, oh, sure, he's got something coming his way. But Rachel Ziegler, who, very young actor, this is her first feature film that she's ever done. It's clear she's going to go far after this. Absolutely. She has set the standard for what that role is going to be. Now, everybody is going to have to live up to that for a musical that is decades old. And I... It's remarkable. I was so blown away by that. Best actor, fine. Best actress, a mess. Yes. This year, a mess. Oh my gosh. And then we get into uh, best director. I I have an upset about this too, but there there is some cool stuff about it. We have Paul Thomas Anderson for Ligorish Pizza, Kenneth Branagh for Belfast, Jane Campion for The Power of the Dog, which yeah, that one's that one's warranted, I think. Ryuzuke Hamaguchi for Drive My Car and Steven Spielberg for West Side Story. That that Steven Spielberg, he is gonna go far. Uh, <laughs> Gosh, I wonder what else he's gonna yeah, do. Yeah, it's like he's he's just he's he it was such a surprise. So my upset for this mm. was I was surprised that Lin Manuel Miranda did not get a nomination for uh, Tick, Tick, Boom, Mm. because it is his directorial Mm -hmm. debut, and it was good, really good. Interesting, I was, I am upset that this man is actually talented, because we know, (laughs) we knew he was talented. We're like, yeah, yeah, you wrote the Hamilton thing. Okay, he can freestyle, whatever. You don't show up out of the woodwork this many years later and then do another thing and absolutely and lucky. remind people who you are. <laughs> like he's he's not lucky. It's not luck at this point. Sure. Like he's very talented at taking something that maybe a few other people care about and he shows you why he cares about it and now suddenly it's your favorite thing in the world. He is very good at doing that. That's a good way to put it. Oh, he he's had a very good year otherwise. But then we are here at best picture which is between Belfast, Coda, Don't Look Up, Drive My Car, Dune, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, Nightmare Alley, The Power of the Dog, and West Side Story. Can I just say that's too many? Uh, it yeah. feels like too many. <laughs> yeah, it's ten. Uh, <laughs> which is kind of where it's been going in previous years. They've jumped 
back and forth between it. I think maybe 2010 was the first time they nominated, like, that many. Mm -hmm. And it used to be, like, just eight. I think we should cap it at, like, six. Yeah, I feel like six. six is a good number. Okay, so who would you knock off of this list uh, right off the... Dune, okay. 100%. Dune, really? I'm sorry, but I don't think it deserves the best picture. I all. don't either, but, like, I will say it is remarkable what it managed to accomplish. If, if you know the history behind mm -hmm. this book and the other people who have tried... Sure. It... Like, I don't, I'm not even a fan of this director or his aesthetic, and I think that's why most people like him. It is so impressive mm. that he made half of a movie. For me, <laughs> it just feels like it's not the kind of movie that ought to be nominated. It feels mm -hmm. too much like a blockbuster. It's also a commercial for a second movie. Sure. Which it's not they they could only which makes sense they could only adapt half well, of the I book. I mean to be fair Lord of the Rings true. You mm -hmm. know. So maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm snob. <laughs> I'm a snob on that point, but I I wouldn't have nominated it. Okay. I would take Don't Look Up off. Natural. I, I feel strongly about that. I would obviously <sighs> take Belfast off. Right. So do we want to do we want to talk about uh, Belfast and our feelings about to Belfast? That? Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I I saw the trailer when I learned it was about the Troubles, which was a subject of study uh, that I was fascinated with in undergrad. I was like, oh, well, I'm interested in this if it is historical and gives a little more uh, reflection on that period of time. I don't think that's what the movie was about at all. Absolutely not. And I remember looking over at your face at one point and seeing the exact same exhaustion that I was having the whole thing. And I said, okay, Why thank God she's hating it. Why is this movie not over yet? Because if I have to pretend to like it, just so <laughs> that we both can enjoy it until after the credits, I was like, ugh. Oh, uh, no. Let me say mm -hmm. to Kenneth. Kenneth Kenny, yeah. Kenny. <laughs> um, it's not a story. You didn't have a story. <laughs> you didn't live through anything no he lived in belfast yeah but it's it's like being down the street from the historical event scary. is not a story no it was scary it had an impact on his life kind of the boy had he was in the privileged group of people who were not being attacked <laughs> it, it was it's just, it reeks of privilege. It makes me mm. so mad. No, no, no. He wasn't Catholic, but he knew some Catholics. And he hid under, he hid under the table. Oh, and, it was such a bad time. And he, he looted a grocery and store. And he was poor. He was poor. Well, no, okay, wait, wait, wait. He's poor, but he has all of these toys and he had the best house? life, let me tell oh you. Oh my gosh. They have a, a grandfather who is in the hospital for the longest time. They have this huge huge wake or something uh, to celebrate so so i i got no sense that they were struggling financially other than the fact that they just kept saying it right yeah it's 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 written in the script so it must be there like, also also <laughs> my feeling here i am so done with the young sexy parent trope can we be done with that what is this trope like where the where the parents of a family in a movie mm -hmm. are 
super lusty and super young and vivacious mm. and like horny and like I didn't get that. I it's just like They seem pissed off at each other the entire time. I don't know. It's just the Jamie Dornan mm. this whole thing of like we're both really young sexy actors even mm. though we're playing parents and like there's this tension between us and I don't know, Amber. I personally think parents can be hot in a movie. <laughs> I think I think they can like each other. I think they can love each other. You heard it here first. I don't. I think we need to have less firemen, firefighters in our movies, <laughs> and acting like they're so great that they're such great people. So you need to know, uh, you, listeners of other we don't wonderful need to give podcasts. Them context. We don't need to give them context. Uh, they already know what I'm talking about. The great firefighter debate. <laughs> Yeah, hot parents aside. Hot parents aside. Hot parents aside. I, I was so bewildered by... He almost kind of wanted to glamorize his time in Belfast. He needed he needed to make you actually care about Belfast, but also show that he struggled in Belfast. And he didn't know how to balance that, and so mm. it feels like neither. It feels like Belfast was an awful place, but he never struggled once the entire time that he was there. But they have to leave, and that's an emotional... It was so amazing. His life was great, but also, oh my gosh, the Troubles made everything so terrible. Right. And they were really poor. Right, and the Troubles happens at the very beginning, and then at the very end of the film, and you have one guy come in throughout the film to remind you that it's a thing. And he's such a caricature. Right. It's like the evil guy. It's... It's, there's like no posse. There's like Such... no group of people wanting to do this. It's mm. just this one guy who's like the schoolyard bully coming in to like remind you that we're yeah. gonna go mess up the Catholics' homes. This or something villain like that. who is supposed to encapsulate the entirety of this incredibly complicated political right. situation. Absolutely, and he's such a non-threat mm. the entire time. We also have uh, we we're on attention of what we would knock off. I might knock off licorice pizza because I oh. don't have an interest in seeing controversial. it. Controversial. I it, well, it is controversial, and I because of that, I don't know if I have a strong desire mm. to actually see it. I think that there might be some cool things about it, but like I, it doesn't sound like a narrative that I would personally be interested in or exploring a relationship between a twenty-five-year-old and a fifteen-year-old. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, 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 but they handle it well. I'm like, I don't care how you handle it. Like, that's that that wasn't the issue. Might knock that one off. Uh, definitely would knock off Don't Look Up. King Richard is getting such strong representation mm -hmm. uh, on this list, and I just don't know if... I didn't feel strongly enough to go see it. Right, and it's, and it's about him more so than it is about Serena and Venus Williams. And so... To be fair... Given that I haven't seen the movie, he might have a very interesting story. Mm -hmm. But I, yeah, just didn't care. I might knock off Nightmare Alley. I I think so. I saw it, and again, it's a remake of something that somebody's already done, which I'm I'm actually very interested in seeing the original one now. Mm -hmm. It feels like pieces of a movie that could be really cool. It's too long. It, it needs it feels to be much shorter. Too, I would say like mid-level forgettable mediocre not that not that del toro is a bad filmmaker no by any means no but it doesn't seem 
put together enough it's, it's, to be a best picture. It's really cool that they want to take a neo-noir film and bring it here, but I don't see enough that's substantially added to it from what I know of the original one. And actually, I read the synopsis of the original one, and, and I said, oh, that sounds so much more cohesive than the themes and the darkness that like Del Toro is wanting to explore. And I weirdly don't feel the same way about something like A Star is Born, where mm -hmm. I was like, oh, we've done this four times, what could possibly be added? Uh, Drive My Car, I have heard great things about. I want to see that one. Need to see it, the runtime is freaking me out a little bit, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Uh, That's why I didn't end up seeing it at the Denver Film Festival, was it, I just didn't have that kind of time. No. Didn't have that block of time for It's a huge commitment. I think films getting shorter and shorter is actually being much more appealing for people to actually turn something on and mm. want to get through it. Coda is something I should see because I hear mixed things about it. I'm really glad to hear the representation that it's bringing in sure. terms of actors. I think that's a really, really valuable thing. Um, and Marley Matlin is in it and she's obviously great award-winning actress. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, from what I've heard, it is heartwarming, but is, like, not narratively special. And then we have West Side Story, sure. which feels to me like a movie that was made decades ago and now looks better. Um, I think that was more what they were going for, though. Right. I think it was very, very much on purpose made to look in a style that is reminiscent of the 50s and the 70s. But it didn't... But then that's my question is, but then why? Is that why, why are we... Do we need this Homage, movie again? Maybe? That's That's a theory about it. But I walked out of it just being like, okay, but that movie existed. Hmm. And I don't know what was added or what was gained here other than by literally do what we're, what Hollywood is being criticized of is remaking things mm -hmm. and it's being put up for best picture when it did that, you know, a long time ago. So I, so who do we think is going to win uh, best picture win? this year? Yeah. Oh, that's a tough one. Of those 10. I would say West Side Story has a fair chance. Yeah. I, I think that there's enough love for it, both in the original form and as an homage to mm -hmm. the original and as an update, mm -hmm. that it stands a better chance than a musical would normally. Do I think it's definitely going to win? No. No, I don't. <laughs> I think uh, Power of the Dog is probably most likely. That's what I'm feeling. Either that or Belfast, um, I think, is probably going to take it. I don't want to live in a world where Belfast is a I winner. I know, but it's black and white, so oh, it's Oh, we know. We love black and white. For some reason, even though it was it made in the 70s. it more special. It's like... Oh, this is above what the masses watch. That feels like a the masses watch things in Technicolor. Well, that feels like a joke. That feels like a joke about film majors themselves, where it's like, oh, it can be a great movie if you put it in black and white, and it's like, <laughs> I, I, uh, and it works sometimes. Like Roma is a really great film, but I mean, it it does feel like Belfast is just trying to rip Roma off in a certain way. Really, it just like to capitalize on the black and white, like. 
And then have some moments that are in color mm. for reasons right, that aren't it's consistent. More artsy. Right. Yeah, I think if there is a best picture winner, even though I didn't personally love it, I think Power of the Dog mm-hmm. is the winner this year. Yeah. I yeah, I think it's probably gonna go to the Power Dog or Belfast. What deserves it? I of the ten, I still I still have a few I've yet to see. I, I think I've seen about six of these now, so I have a few left that I have to knock off. I don't know. I would have given it, wanted it to go to something like Tick, Tick, Boom, mm-hmm. honestly, because I thought that was such a cool, it, it, it was such a surprise how much I was going to let, how under the radar it was to how much I actually yeah. ended up liking it. I, I think if I were giving one an award for Best Picture to mm-hmm. the nominees currently on the list, I would hedge my bets on Drive My Car. Drive My Car? Even though I haven't seen it, because I've just heard such great things. Really? And I yeah. have faith in Japanese cinema. I have mm. enough experience with it that I really believe that it could be a really great film. It's It's got such a long runtime, but I I do need to check that one out. Before the ceremony actually happens. That's a question I wanted to ask. Do you think you will be watching the ceremony this year? No. No? No. Probably not. It this year. I mean, I don't have a TV. <laughs> well, if I... Okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. If I hosted an Oscar night, would you oh, come if to I, If you host an Oscar night, I yeah. will be there. It is going to be the day after my birthday, so... Oh, absolutely. going to be the thing. I will, I will be there. Great. Great. You if heard it here. If I were watching it on my own, I would not be watching it. Right. Oh, <laughs> come on. You don't want to get in the rat rat. Like, so did you watch the ceremony last year? No. So you missed all of that drama. Oh, yeah. That happened. It was it was incredible. I just get on, how... like, you know, BuzzFeed and refresh. Oh, my gosh. I <laughs> it's mean, the only time I get on BuzzFeed. I mean, I skipped most of it. I remember that night I, uh, a friend came over and then we ended up hanging out. And then, then I went back uh, just in time for Best Picture to come in third to last. And was like, everybody was saying the same thing at the same time. It's like, are they pushing for Chadwick? Mm. Nope. Um, Which is so weird. They set them so, and that was the year that I learned that, okay, the organizers have absolutely no idea what is going to happen at any given moment. Mm -hmm. And we're so sure that Chadwick was going to get the award that they thought that would be the big finale. And was... And then Absolute everybody travesty. was sad. <laughs> yeah, and the the whole train station that they hosted it in, which I don't know if they're going to go back to the Dolby this yeah. year. God, yeah, you got to watch some of it for the drama. I if if you don't <laughs> care about any of the the titles, I totally understand. But like it it is ha- having people together and like doing it is a lot of fun. Yeah, I I used to get like dressed up. Nice. For the Oscars, like yeah. I would like put on a jacket, I'd sit down and eat like just junk. And Damn, just I'll do that. Everything. Let's That's go. That's so fun. Yeah. So yeah, any other closing thoughts that you have about the <laughs> Oscar list this year? Um, you the know, I know I've said, but worst person was robbed. Mm-hmm. Great film. Very sad that it's not getting more recognition. Uh, the main actress, the main actor, mm-hmm. uh, I can't recall their names off the top of my head, no. but they were incredible. So that's, that's my major 
uh, the, disappointment of the year. The trip sequence, like in in itself, where like so they animated everything cool. and did everything, I, I was like, I am shocked that that mm-hmm. didn't get more uh, traction. Yeah, last year I remember thinking that we were getting the films that studios felt safe releasing. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of the downside of it is that we weren't actually getting what studios trusted in. And so that made me want to root for them more. And I just didn't. Mm. Um, I didn't feel too strongly about most of them. I think I felt more strongly about the Best Picture nominees last year yeah. than I did with the ones this year. I don't year. feel super strongly about this year. No. I'm hoping we'll get a deserving winner, but... I could see this year shaking out like the Green Book year, you know? Like, it's such a depressing group of representatives. Is there there an award that you're excited for that you you think? Um, I'm excited to see what happens with the Best Animated Feature. I am too. That'll be a really interesting It's going to be in Kanto. It's going to be in Kanto. It would be cool if it was Flea, but I don't think Flea... Just sidestepping. Do you know about like the choreography that they did with Encanto? No. They actually choreographed the film. They there there's the live reference footage that you can have uh, juxtaposed with nice. the final animation mm-hmm. that happened, and it makes all the difference in how things move from mm. shot to shot yeah. and how everything travels through. Uh, which is why they're already talking about it being adapted for Broadway. Oh wow! Uh, because well, you got Lin Manuel and it's Lin Manuel's like <laughs> name attached to it, so it's like yeah, he he of course would have had that in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so I guess at the end we can just plug our socials if you're Absolutely, wanting to find us. Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Instagram forty two. That's I N S T A G R A H A M underscore four two. Um, you could also find me on Letterboxd as Trundle the Great. That is T-R-U-N-D-L-E-T-H-E-G-R-8. And what about you, Amber? Uh, I'm on Instagram and I think Letterboxd also as Traveling no. Men Girl. No. No, I'm not. No, she's not. Oh, he knows so and I don't. <laughs> so she is on, I, I believe... Well, yeah. I'm on Instagram as Traveling Mitten and Girl, mm-hmm. my cat's name. And then I am on Letterboxd, Graham knows. Well, I thought it was, uh, I believe it is Ray Woodward. Oh, yes it is, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. R-A-E-W-O-O-D-W-A-R. Thank God somebody knows. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Thank y'all so much for listening, and we will see you next time.